Hej allihop, jag vet att ni är ute. Yeah, as we've said before in the podcast, do not fuck with that little box. <laughs> if you do anything other than move it out of the way, you'll stop recording. That'll fuck everything up. So. I'll keep that in mind. I think we're good. All right, so we ready to start? Yeah, I'm, I even got my push to talk to work. I, I haven't been able to use that the last couple of times. Yeah, I'm using the little box now because it's like that way I can fuck yeah. around searching stuff and not be recording what I'm doing. Mm, yeah. Okay, so this is the Advanced After Combat podcast. It's a podcast about our wargaming community, uh, the Advanced After Combat Guild, and uh, wargaming in general. And this is a podcast that's explicit. Uh, it's brought to you by myself, Dave, uh, my bromance partner, Jason. Hello. And a mystery host. Uh, each month, we uh, bring on a third guest host to uh, host the podcast. Somebody selected from our guild on uh, BGG, that's Board Game Geek. And uh, this this month, our mystery host is the Swede. Yay. Welcome. Indeed. Uh, from uh, uh, far up north. From the icy depths. Yes, yeah, so, uh, Swede, you're like actually like up in your cabin. Like you have like a vacation cottage or something like that? Uh, that's correct. It's uh, uh, Now I have to do that conversion between your stupid uh, units. Uh, so let's say it's about 250 miles. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, we use kilometers on the podcast. How many kilometers would that be? That would be approximately 420. <laughs> okay. Hey, so is it up in the woods, like up, up out in the, the boonies? Yeah, it's, uh, it's by the sea, though. It's an old fishing village, so it's really, I mean, super, super cute. Uh, my wife loves it. I mostly find it annoying. The, these things that look like postcards just get on my nerves. I kind of prefer <laughs> bigger cities than, than uh, this kind of thing. But, you know, it's uh, it's all good for the family and stuff. So. Now, uh, my whole experience from Sweden is watching Wallander episodes. So I, I'm envisioning like uh, uh, wheat fields, woods, uh, Beaches with black, stony, depressing rocks all over them, uh, cold, and guys sitting in well-decorated apartments drinking cocktails and talking on their cell phones. Is that basically Sweden in a nutshell? Yeah, and a lot of Volvos. You know, that's that's pretty <laughs> that's much it. That's right. But so it's obviously very cold right now at your cottage. Uh, you know, it's, it's below freezing, but this winter has actually been unseasonally warm. So, uh, but normally it, it, we'd be much closer to, uh, zero degrees Fahrenheit, uh, than we are right now, but let's say it's like 15, maybe. That's not bad. It's, it's still pretty fucking cool though. I'm I'm fascinated when people have vacation cottages. So I'm sorry. I don't want to dwell <laughs> on this. Level. I feel like I have to dwell on this. So like, how how much of the year? Like, I could see like going up to a summer cottage, but I I don't see me being like, hey, honey, it's fucking super cold right now. Let's go even farther up. Well, let's towards... go somewhere colder. <laughs> let's go somewhere <laughs> colder to spend, a, spend some quality with time. fewer amenities. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, we have a, a, another place which is in a ski resort, but uh, going there over the, the major holidays is just awful. It's a ton of people. Better to go there when it's uh, sort of off season and, and uh, more room in the slopes. So uh, th this is more a chance to sort of get away. Uh, normally there'd be more snow and more fun for the kids, but. And so do you like bring war games and stuff and war gaming in your cottage? Uh, I do. Uh, this year has been uh, uh, depressing from that perspective. I was actually planning to uh, get some gaming in, but I had a lot of other shit that I had to deal with. So uh, I've been working most of the time. Sweet. And, and like, how long do you guys spend up there? Like when you like go up there for the winter, do you spend a couple of weeks or? Uh, I think, it's probably like two weeks. So we, we uh, came up uh, on uh, Christmas Day uh, and we're staying until next week and probably. God, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm sure everyone's like, I've been talking too much about the cabin already. The cabin. No, this, is, this is the best stuff. <laughs> <laughs> totally, it's a different way of life. I'm totally interested. I'm not even going to get into the fact that he also has a, 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 has a place in a ski resort. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it's Sweden. Nick you likes to, to keep a low key, though. Your passport. That's, oh, that's right. <laughs> there's, a, there's a ski test. You have to pass your ski test. Absolutely. I mean, you have to love the snow. Okay, so, uh, Nick, basically, uh, we, we met you, um, um, and already I think I've said I'm um, about 53 times in this podcast, but... Uh, <laughs> I just said it again. We, <laughs> yeah. we met you at the at the convention we had, and you you've been in the guild quite a bit. Uh, how did you first get into wargaming? What was kind of your first experience? And is there a big Swedish wargaming community? Is that something? Uh, there is uh, uh, a Swedish wargaming community. I um, I know there's a bunch of Swedish listeners. Hello, all you Swedish listeners. I do that in Swedish, but then everyone else wouldn't understand it. So, you know, I guess they go for it. Yeah, yeah, Jason, yeah. Jason, would really, Jason would hey, really love it if you yeah, did yeah, the Swedish. Yeah. There you go. So, so um, one, one more time. Anyway, Dave and uh, I were talking over. I don't um, hang out uh, within that community a lot. Uh, I, I have a bunch of friends that are gamers, but they're Euro gamers primarily. Uh, but in terms of my history, as a, a war gamer, it, I think it started out. Uh, we were a bunch of super nerdy guys that were hanging out in a game store that was in Stockholm at that point. Uh, there was a big role playing community and a store that had a bunch of games, like a ton of them. We had no money, obviously. So we bought the cheapest games and played those until they fell apart, basically. So we played stuff like Ogre and GV and, uh, you know, Car Wars, basically everything we could get our hands on that was less than 10 bucks. Um, later on, I had a bunch of friends that got into Squad Leader big. Uh, I was never really into that that much, mostly because at that point I uh my parents gave me a computer so that sort of destroyed my life for a couple of years and after that i figured out there was actually girls around so i i figured that that would be a better way to spend my time so so how did you get back into it then 
like at some point later in your life, once you had a family and everything, you decided to check it out? Or? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's uh, it, it's weird how that works. I mean, I'm, you sort of hear the same story over and over again, and you go, "Wow, I I I wonder why that is." But you uh, you you have some kids, uh, you get a house, suddenly you have a lot of space, you get a bunch of free times once the kids get a little bit bigger, maybe you want to play games with them. I think that was actually what brought really brought me back into games when they got big enough that, you know, we I wanted to do things with them. Um, and then I started looking around and I was like, wow, <laughs> apparently this thing that I didn't think was a thing is a really big thing now. So uh i got i got back into it so yeah i think a lot of it is the internet too allowed there to be a big community and then sure. and then there was enough like customer demand then based on the community to where they could actually make really good nice games you know they could get back into production and Absolutely. Uh, th there's also the thing that, that, that the, most of the people, I think, and this is a, you know, people might disagree, but I think a lot of the people that were gamers in the 80s that are sort of my age or, or maybe a little bit younger or older, uh, they now have a, 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 a fairly significant chunk of disposable income, which means that uh, you know they'll they'll spend some money on on games. Uh, I mean, it's still not as big as uh, the wargaming uh, scene was in the seventies. I mean, in, in terms of print runs, at least from from my understanding, what the prints are, print runs were on on the games from Avalon Hill on SBI and so on. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think the I think the board gaming community has boomed. And I don't think the war game section of that has really gotten to where back to where partially because I think the computer war games are such a strong competitor to that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I spend enough time in, in front of computers uh, in my daily life. I really don't need to to sit in front of a, a computer screen any more than that. Yeah, I think also if yeah. you're dealing with computers a lot, maybe that tactile act of having the pieces and having the art and it all in your hands there's some some value to be gotten out of that rather than playing another fucking computer game when you yeah. get home it, i mean it, certainly uh, I, that might sound like you know i dig it at vassal and, and it's it isn't because i i certainly enjoy playing games on vassal uh but the the games that that we play um uh, I mean, imagine uh, turning something like uh, uh, Axis Empires to into a, a, a computer game. I mean, the, the market for that would be minuscule uh, either way. I think so. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see as GMT started to convert a lot of their games into digital versions, like how those do. I think you know, there's. there's and I, I think some of them will do well. Like Twilight Struggle is obviously like a crossover, but even with Vassal, you're still playing with a person. And I, I, for me, the tactile thing, like basically if you look at what I do all day, it looks like I'm playing computer games. So when I come home, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And I'll basically only get on Vassal to play with another human being. Right. Which is, yeah. 
big part of the draw. Oh, you mean as opposed to like doing like a solo game or something on Vassal? Yeah, like I've I've tried to play like D Day at Omaha Beach or you know some of these other solo games on Vassal, and it's just it has zero appeal for me for some reason. It's the same game, but it's just I like moving the pieces and having it in front of me physically. The only advantage is you can uh, play Vassal technically at work. Um, <laughs> We're like trying to set up like Axis Empires <laughs> and then break it down when your boss walks into the yeah. office is much more difficult. Although Nick can do that. Yeah, but that's one of the benefits of, of uh, running uh, your own company. I mean, you can get away with a lot of shit. That's what I mean. Yeah, so uh, like I said, we met Nick at the convention for the first time. Uh, Nick is a uh, re- easily recognizable person. <laughs> um, and Nick, you're six foot ten, is that correct? That, that's correct. I mean, uh, life of crime isn't for me. I mean, <laughs> it, it wouldn't be very no, hard to no. figure out who did it. Yeah, and I assume like Swedes in Sweden, it's basically that's not necessarily tall. That's that's extremely tall for Sweden, just as it would be here in the U.S. or anywhere that, else. That's right? that's correct. I mean, it's it's far far on the right side of any kind of uh, scale. So when you were in high school as a freshman, how tall were you? Or whatever, when you entered, like, secondary school? Uh, let's say I was maybe – I was I was tall. I was tall early. So uh, at 15, I was probably, like, 6'8". Uh, <laughs> Holy shit, dude. I was, I was 4'10 when I was in high school. <laughs> The funniest is watching Samer stand next to Swede at an event because like, there's literally almost a two foot difference between them. Yeah, he's a uh, he's he's a, he's an amazing guy. I'll say that much. But he he's uh, uh, he's got a, a, a bit of growing to do if he, need, he wants to get up to my my size. Yeah, and emotionally also. Well, let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> I didn't want to be there. So uh, we t- we've talked a bunch about the convention. Do you want to just go over a quick few quick highlights uh, of your convention experience, or or not? Or you want to just mention some things or about your experience in general? Uh, I mean, to me, it was very much sort of eh, whatever. I'll, I'll I'll take a chance on this. Uh, it, it was. Uh, I mean, I, I'd been active on the guild for maybe a month or a couple of weeks uh but i listened mm-hmm. a lot to the podcast so i had some sort of idea of what the people can i figured you know these these guys seem like people i could i could uh have have fun with uh and um um you know would be um less of a uh, how do i put this uh, my interactions with most of the wargaming community have been less than successful in terms of you know, <laughs> purely sort of social interactions. I, I think, you know? <laughs> so, I, I think that goes for a lot of people in the Yeah, game. yeah I, I got that sort of feeling as well. Or the island of yeah, misfit. I figured, toys. you know, why, why not take a chance and you know, go hang out and see what, what happens? Um, and I had a lot of fun. Uh, met a lot of great guys uh, and played a bunch of games and uh, got really drunk 
not as drunk as Raph, obviously, but, <laughs> but drunk enough. So no one got that drunk. No, I, you know, I, I didn't at least a couple see times. him that night, but you know, I saw him the next day, which was <laughs> yeah, he quite was, enough. He was pretty drunk. <laughs> yeah, and Nick, Nick also played uh, a game with Brad, and uh, uh, we were playing Labatai, and at some point, I think Brad had, had a bunch of Bushmills and started like trying to speak French because he was the French player, and the <laughs> the horrified look on Nick's face. <laughs> As Brad was trying to, to shit talk him in like whatever kind of French language you was trying to speak. I, I, I'm not sure what funny. that was, but it wasn't French. I mean, sorry, Brad, but dude, <laughs> the Bushmills was great though. He, he's going like, he's like, "Fuck you, bitches!" Talking like that. He's like, saying all this stuff. He's like totally being crazy. Yeah, Brad. Brad was, was uh, funny. Brad was bringing it. Yeah, he's yes. a professional. It was good. Okay, so we've got a quiz, Nick. Um, are you up for a yeah, I, quiz? Um, I've heard it's optional, so <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with right. yes. Yes. It is. Oh, and uh, Nick, what are you drinking? What are you drinking right now? Uh, I'm drinking. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm not at home, so you have to make with what you have. And what I have is a plastic bottle of gin made in Italy and brought here by my brother-in-law, um, who apparently bought bottles in Italy. So uh, it's the, it's organic though. So. Well, are you plastic. drinking it? No, are you not, drinking no, it straight? Time, obviously, Jesus oh, Christ! Gonna... I'm not crazy. <laughs> oh, that would be great. No, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> well, plastic, plastic, bottle. plastic bottle is classy as fuck. That's classy as fuck. Plastic bottle. Yeah, that's always classy. Crinkle, crinkle. Dave, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a Lagunitas IPA. Mm. And Miller Lite for me. It's wow. it's a little early for the whiskey. Yeah, I got some stern looks from the wife on it because we're obviously Nick's in the evening. We're we're recording at noon, so whatever. All right. So this is the podcast quiz. This is the last podcast pass quiz of 2016. So very important. And um, before you before Nick, you start, uh, I'd like to say Braxton, I'm questions are too hard here, so I'm gonna look down on you sternly. <laughs> <laughs> just okay so i'm sorry you broke up a little bit you're saying that you, you don't want it to be hard or you do want it to be hard <laughs> I, i'd prefer it if i if i manage to get a point or two well yeah because then we can actually exactly i mean podcast. otherwise we don't <laughs> like, waste anyways, everyone's wasting their time you need at least one okay so the first question is going to be it's time for name that opposing commander We'll, I'll tell you our commander, and you have to tell us who the opposing commander was. Okay. The first commander, or the first battle, is the Battle of Pea Ridge, 1862. Our commander is the Union commander, Samuel Curtis. Who's your commander? What was that battle again? Pea Ridge, 1862. We have Samuel Curtis from the Union. You have whom? Yes. Uh, I mean, let's 
not trying to make any excuses here, but Civil War was covered in Swedish history classes in about two and a half minutes. Uh, mostly <laughs> like this. Yeah, I'm amazed uh, at that. And then they had a war. And someone won, and then they didn't have a <laughs> war anymore. Like, yeah, okay, that that's great. Uh, and and then there was no more exactly. Uh, so even though I've actually lately in the last couple of months been been uh, in games uh, uh, set in the Civil War. Uh, this question is something where I'd answer. I have no clue. Okay, and that is not the correct answer. So I'm surprised. The, the correct answer is General, the, is General Earl Van Dorn. Uh, second battle is the Battle of Zama, 2 BC. We are Hannibal. Who are you? Battle of Zama, hmm. and we are Hannibal Barca. Zama. That's... Yeah, don't let... Don't, yeah, you know, make sure I'm, you keep I'm your thinking, finger on I'm, your I'm button thinking, and answer. I, I'm trying to do two things at the same time here. Think and keep the button pressed. Um, and the opposing commander was who? We are Hannibal, and who was that, the opposing that, commander? Is that Scipio Africanus then? You are correct. Good job. Nicely. I will now post point. this podcast for, <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. Now watch me lose, the, miss the next eighteen questions. So, so the the next battle is the Battle of Bannockburn, thirteen fourteen. We are Edward the Second. Who are you? Uh, Bannockburn. I recognize that. It's like Braveheart. Uh, that feels like what was his name? Oh, Jesus Christ! And isn't it sad that my reference for that is Braveheart? <laughs> I think that's acceptable. Yeah, that's that's a great uh, historical documentary. Uh, <laughs> Robert the Bruce. I don't know. Robert, the you Bruce. are correct. With Nicely done. Probably the best title. The Bruce is just a great. Title, I think. <laughs> That's so awesome. Uh, okay, that's Battle of Freeman's Farm, 1777. Freeman's Farm. We are Horatio Gates. We're Horatio Gates and Swede. Okay. Who are you? That rings zero bells. Nope. Nothing. Okay. You would be gentleman, General Gentleman Johnny Burgoyne. That's a that's a pretty neat name, though. I I'd, I'd you know gentleman. Yeah. I think he was Probably. a little bit of a player. <laughs> so. I would think so. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's code. Okay, so the next is the Battle of Hurtgen Forest, forty-four to forty-five. Another critical battle in Swedish military history. Uh, we are. Omar Bradley, who are you? Isn't this Hurt Jim Forrest? You were talking about this last time. Yeah, there's uh, a gospel yeah. on it. Oh, so, and Omar, so it's a, Omar Bradley, World War II. so opposite would be uh, some. 
So somebody at similar command level to Omar Bradley. <laughs> and I would accept a last name too, just the correct yeah. last name. That's where is that? That's in Belgium, I think. Who is there? That's a. This is this is painful. I knew this was going to be painful, but you know when you're sitting here and going, you know, you know that I, I know that and everyone's listening is now going to and be judging. Poor. So, uh, I don't know. No, no, I don't know. I wish I knew. Mo oh, Walter Modell. Ah, uh, God Modell. damn it. Anyway. Okay, so on to question number two. Uh, you are currently two for five. So question number two is name the war or military conflict which the listed battle is most associated with. The Battle of Mansfield. This is a hard one. <laughs> Battle of Mansfield. I, I'm thinking the of Battle Jane of Mansfield. Mansfield. That, that's Mansfield. Right. <laughs> it's a different kind of conflict. Yeah. yeah. Good uh, instincts. Good instincts. I have. I have. I, Mansfield. I mean, okay, so that's either going to be in the UK and some war I've never heard of. But then it would probably be called ditch something or something else. It's in the U.S. Uh, well, blind guess. So, eighteen twelve. No. Uh, I'll go with the Civil War just for the hell of it. Uh, which which the Civil War? the American Civil War, not the UK one, where all the battles were by <laughs> bitch. Uh, yes, it's uh, the U.S. Civil War. In fact, I have no idea where this battle was fought. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything yeah. about this battle. <laughs> okay, I'm going. I'm going but, to. That is that a correct answer. By some... uh, Braxton, I got my eye on you. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, you're doing okay. Yeah. Uh, the next one is the Battle of Anchorman. Anchorman or <laughs> no, Anchorman? Oh. <laughs> I N K E R M A N N. This is one you could get right. Yeah, <laughs> this is one you could get right. And I'm sitting here going, "What? I don't know." Uh, Anchorman. The worst part about Inkerman, Inkerman, the worst part about European place names is that when you read about them, they will all have different names depending on which language you read about them in. No, no. They, I mean, if I, no, no bells. It's the uh, oh, Korean okay. War. Okay. I had no. Now this one is the uh, Battle of. This is the Battle of Dory Laum. D D O 
D-O-R-Y-L-A-E-U-M. Dory Laum. The Battle of Dory Laum. <laughs> how to pronounce that. I have no idea how to. Dory Laum. Dory Laum. No, yeah, no, I don't I, think I, saying I, it I, over I, and over I'm again is going to. I just uh, tried it. <laughs> yeah, no, nope, nope, no idea. Trying to ring those bells. Yeah, yeah. So, apparently, it was fought in the First Crusade. Uh, first Crusade. I never no, would have gotten no. that right. So, the fourth battle is the Battle of Jergovia. G E R G O V I A. Well, Jergovia or Jergovia? Now I think we're in Rome. Now I think we're in Rome. And this is Caesar and Rescindatorix. So, which war? Uh, that would be the Gaelic Wars, I guess. You are correct. Good oh, job. <laughs> now, here's one that I would expect Jason to get. Uh oh. So this is Battle of Chinese Farm. Battle of Chinese Farm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I I know this just because of certain periods I mentioned. I don't know. Maybe Jason's not as interested in this period. But. Uh, Battle of Chinese. So when you're saying Jason would know it, I'm instantly thinking, oh, that's got to be the Vietnam War then. <laughs> but. <laughs> don't know. Don't don't read into it. <laughs> don't read into what I'm saying. Chinese farm. That doesn't sound like anything really. That's uh... yeah. That that would probably not be the name of a Vietnamese. Battle, yeah, but... probably probably not. Uh, no, I'll, I'll just go with no. No idea. It's uh, the Yom Kippur War. Oh, okay. 1973. <laughs> no, which still doesn't even, make sense. Even less than <laughs> what, 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 it, what it was is it was in the Sinai and it was an irrigation farm mm. that the, I think the Israelis have been trying to to do and they didn't really know too much. I guess because the Japanese used rice paddies and some of the irrigation, they called it China. I don't know why they. There was some weird <laughs> reason why, based on the irrigation, that it was called Chinese farm. It was the seventies. Everybody was racist. Logic. That's right. I just assumed it's Chinese. I mean, they're like, look, it's the desert. Does it China, matter? Japan, tomato, tomato. Yeah, I think that. I think it was named because of the irrigation there. But okay, so but that wasn't all bad. I mean, I'm looking at two correct answers out of possible five. So now you're four for ten. Yeah. So no, it's okay. There's, there's been worse. <laughs> Yeah, now I can hear you. Yeah, so. Can you hear me okay? Ooh, so you're, you're, that's you're four for ten so far. Far. Okay, so the next part is going to be uh, for each listed American Civil War battle, because we know that the American Civil War is clearly Absolutely. one of your strong suits. Uh, name which campaign it's associated with. So you, I'll, I'll name a battle, and you have to name the campaign. Basically, this is so. the way this question Ugh. is going to go. You'll name the uh, battle, and I'll say, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feel free. Go with that if you don't know. 
The first battle is the Battle of Seven Pines. Don't know. The answer is the Peninsular Campaign. And interestingly, Braxton misspelled it, so it says the Penis Eula Campaign. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Braxton. Okay, so the second, the second is the Battle of Cold Harbor. Yeah, yeah, we can I, just whip right through these next few. Whip it out. I don't think I'll know I'll any say, of these say. either. Uh, okay, so Cold Harbor is the Overland campaign. I, I wouldn't have gotten that one. Uh, that sounds like mountain. a mountain, but I don't know. <laughs> it's the Maryland campaign. Wouldn't have gotten that. Battle of Champion Hill. Why do I feel like I should know something about that? I, I think that is a, a, an evil yeah, thought probably, in the back of your head that probably, is leading you astray. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. It's going to be the Vicksburg campaign. It's the last battle before uh, Pemberton was forced back into the Vicksburg. Then I was obviously wrong about having any kind of idea. <laughs> so the, the the final battle is the Battle of Kennesaw Mountain. Jesus. Nope. So were these named? Were these campaigns named at the time, or are these what we call them now? Um, you know, some of them I think were named during the war. Like I don't know the o Overland Campaign or the Maryland Campaign. Yeah. So it's interesting. So uh, Nick, do you know uh, Kennesaw Mountain? Not the slightest idea, actually. So it's that's going to be the Atlantic. Yeah. Game, so I'm I'm going to need to read a book or two, obviously. <laughs> okay. So the final uh, topic for the final question is going to be uh, the Great Northern War and its <laughs> impact on Sweden. Uh... So <laughs> <laughs> unlikely to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just kidding. No, it's nothing to do with Sweden. No. So, uh, so, Jason, this is bonus. Oh, we're at the bonus question. This is going to be bonus. So there's there's going to be five bonus uh, answers in the bonus question. So okay. I don't know. Basically, if you want to explain this real quick to Nick so he doesn't get confused about how this works. <laughs> So Nick, you're gonna to have to pay attention, especially to this question, because the last question you didn't get any correct answers. Um, so you need some correct answers. Uh, unfortunately, these correct answers will be worth exactly the same as the other ones. Um, but you do have more opportunities to get correct answers, but they're worth exactly the same, and they count against the total. But but you still want to try to get them right as much as possible. Oh. But they're worth exactly the same. I see. So basically. They are exactly the same. Is what you're <laughs> but they're bonus. No, they're they're worth exactly the That's same. Right. But they're still uh, bonus. The key, okay. the most oh, interesting yeah. aspect is that the 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 most interesting aspect to me is that the wrong answers are also bonus wrong <laughs> answers. <laughs> that is perfect. Yeah, you're you're not working out a fifteen. You're still working out a twenty. Just five of them are bonus. Yeah. Okay. So I remember when it was four answers? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It used to be called the, the it, name four. It was like yeah, like name five or name four. Or we did something like that. that was in the beginning. 
That was that was a long time ago. Yeah. So now, Jason, this is going to be right. You're going to be great at this. Name five of the six provinces where major battles occurred during the Vietnam War that were part of the 1972 Easter Offensive. Oh my God! So 1972 Easter Offensive in Vietnam, six provinces where major battles occurred. Name five of them. Holy cow! And you have oh, to you have to pronounce Jesus. them in the correct Vietnamese <laughs> pronunciation. Uh. So you can't say like you can't say like fuck toe, fuck long, fuck uh, <laughs> fuck province. Let's see. Now I have to. Uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah, these are bonus. Our, so our bonus. <laughs> it's okay. They matter just the same. The, the, I, I was I was mostly no laughing because. Every time I read about the Vietnam War, I look at the names and go, I would never want to try to pronounce this to someone who's Vietnamese because they would throw stuff at me. Uh, uh, so, so you just I just glaze over a lot of a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> the the good news is I don't anticipate you saying no. I mean, I know, I know there were, I know there, I know that there was the Ho Chi Minh campaign, uh, which was like Saigon and and, and Swan Lock. Okay, okay, but to, just to get you yeah. a little focused, to get you a little focused, this is the 1972 Easter Offensive. Six provinces, major battles. Now, Jason, was this the the NVA attacking on the Easter? Yeah, Offensive? this is. Yeah, basically right at the end, right? Yeah, so, so they were basically like Jesus has arisen, and now we're okay, in. So they they came seventy two. <laughs> would in. that be like Hue? Maybe. Uh, that's 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 sixty eight, isn't it? Sixty eight. Yeah. That's, uh, okay. <clears throat> that's the Tet offensive. Then. What would that be? I have no idea. Unlock, maybe. Is that? I don't know. No. Okay, I'm sorry. Was Unlock that a guess? is a guess. That's the probably the only guess I can give you. That's. Uh, that's wow. a correct answer. <laughs> You've gotten one answer that, correct. Nicely with, done. With one answer, I can. Yeah. Now, now I want to make another guess, but that's going to be. <laughs> this is might this, as well. Quang uh, Tree. Is that a is that a city or is it in a? Oh, sorry. You are. Cr- yeah. yeah. You will, okay. I'm going to take that well, as your guess because you got it correct. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Well, I am going to issue you a caution about <laughs> Ralphing on answers that you're going to have to be affirmative <laughs> yeah, in your uh, answering. Well, ask me more questions about Swedish wars and I'll be more affirmative. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so uh, any other guesses? Or that's it? not my wheelhouse, as they say. So, so uh, Jason, could you guess any of these? 
Uh, I would guess Bien Hua. No? I reckon, uh, no. No. Um, I could probably circle them in a, on a map better than I could name them. So the, the, the other ones are Lok Nin. Lok Nin? Lok Nin? I don't know. Okay. I've got guys I work with who are Vietnamese, and like I'll try to say something. That, I mean, in that whole thing I used to complain about with the Korean soldiers, where you'd be like, luck men. They're like, no, luck men. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, instead of the exact same, you need to Like, even talking about pho, like, I'm like, hey, you guys want to get some pho? And they're like, pho. <laughs> yeah, well, you also right. speak with an accent, so screw you. That's right. Like, like it drives you crazy. Uh, Doc To. Yeah. Is there one. you go. Dong Ha. Dong Ha. And Quantum. Which mm, I thought you would yeah. guess. I thought, because that's always, there was always some bullshit going on in Quantum. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. Because I think it's because it's close to the border. So it's always getting fucked with. Okay. So um, I'm looking at the numbers. And it's not good, but it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not the worst we've seen. Uh, we're talking six out of twenty uh, with bonus. Yeah, I so mean, it's, it's still it's out of twenty. Decent. You got I, six. I'll, I'll I'll live with that. I mean, given <laughs> that's pretty good, Nick. I think I think the I, I think the bonus helped you. I, I mean, yeah. so having bonus two, was, two was, was a boon. <laughs> only five extra questions. That's perfect. That's right. No, <laughs> it's not bad. And the the heavy American Civil War yeah. content well, of the quiz yeah, like, fucked you over bad. That, that was that was brutal. And for the record, Braxton does not know who the the guest host is going to be when he uh, when he makes the quiz. So except one time he knew when he and Campbell colluded <laughs> and cheated in the great scandal of two thousand fourteen. Yeah, they should both be ashamed of themselves. It's Campbell. Do you think he's afraid, ashamed of himself? <laughs> yeah, I, well, I was suspicious right away because he was getting all the answers right. But he was like, hmm. He tried to come up with all these backstories where he's like, I was just reading this book about this. It was so fucking obvious. I was... Jerk. Yeah. So I just came from uh, the podcast. We're, bu we're buying a car. So I was, I've was. i been going to all these car dealerships. Like, uh, Are you replacing the van? Oh, the van has been sold. Nice. I sold it. I sold it to CarMax, and uh, basically, my mechanic said he, he drove it. And he's like, "Dude, the transmission is probably about to fail. You got between five and thirty thousand miles on it mm. uh, before it dies, and it's going to cost you twenty five hundred dollars to replace. And so that to that point, it's probably totaled. So uh, I took it down to CarMax, sold it to them for three grand. Suckers. Nice. Well so, done. So, it's their problem now, but now I got to buy a car, right? So I got to go into the dealerships and, you know, the guys are all fucking like the guys are like, well, how much do you want to pay a month? I'm like, no, nope. we're not having that conversation. Nope. You give me the best fucking deal you have. I'm going to walk out of here and I'm walking across the street to Toyota. So make sure that whatever offer you get me is the best offer. Yep. It's fucking, dude, cars are fucking expensive. It's the worst idea. <clears throat> I'm about a year and a half away from buying another one and I'm dreading it already. So, so sweet. When you go in to buy a car in Sweden, is it similar? Like, there's car salesmen and all that set up, and or is it there's some different? Or is process? it just an app that you just it, it, well it, it, I, <laughs> assemble it yourself? Exactly. No, <laughs> it, it, it depends. I guess on on what car you buy, but 
I, I would say that there are car dealerships, but generally they are much less aggressive uh, than they are in the U.S. Uh, so, I mean, that yeah, because I've seen I've, 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 from that perspective. Because I've seen the interaction at the train station where everyone stands twenty <laughs> feet apart from each other to talk. So I'm trying to imagine like how how social it would be. <laughs> you just leave a note on the car. I would like to purchase <laughs> this one. Yeah, I mean, Swedes may actually find that you know the interactions that they still have to have just as you know uh, rough to deal with as as you do. But uh, I, I mean, I <laughs> the the thing is. Uh, Swedes are, are uh, you know, they, they 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 like to see themselves as being just as social as everyone else, but in reality, they're not. Uh, That's I mean, basically, not the everyone, case. I, yeah, basically everyone I know who's, who's been to Sweden for any extended period of time just go, I, I can't talk to people anywhere. <laughs> Yeah. So, so if you just approach people and try to like be friendly with them, is that considered like odd to just walk up to someone and start trying to like initiate a conversation? Just be happy if the ups don't show up. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, but you're disturbing the peace. Immediately throw down. Uh, Sweets get get social when they drink, uh, which is why they drink so much, I guess. Uh, but they only do that after 9 p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays. Now, okay, some people do it every day, obviously, but but most people sure. only do it. That's plenty. No, no, no judgment. I'm, no I'm judgment. right there. Yeah, I, I don't I'm hear always, any judging on that. I, I mean, drink during not, the podcast, so I actually speak. In fact, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I like your tone when you said that, sweet. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with any of that. So. No judgment. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I, but I mentioned the thing it before. Is, my buddy I think went you, to Sweden. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, I think the, the, the problem here is that w- when we say drinking uh, or w- when you say drinking, you mean something very different from what I say, what I mean yeah. when I say Swedes drink, because when Swedes drink, they drink, they basically empty out the Yeah, I, I mentioned, I think before in another episode that I had a friend who went to Sweden and he was shocked at the level of just public drunkenness in like random locations. Like he was at a restaurant with his wife and some just drunk guy just walks over and starts like accosting them, like just completely shit faced in the middle of like a normal, like a nice restaurant, just drunk out of his mind. Yeah. And that's, that was his week. Yeah, it probably was a, it was a Friday night. (laughs) (laughs) Friday night. Awesome. I can respect that. So, what's what's the most popular types of liquor in Sweden? Uh, I mean, it's the local version of vodka. I mean, we're in the vodka belt uh, in uh, the Baltic states. It's all uh, uh, potato, potato based, uh, uh, whatever you can brew in your backyard, kind of uh, liquor that hopefully doesn't. Right, so the guys just so. get hammered on that. Yeah, uh, if if you, I mean, Stockholm is is different in much the same way that that bigger cities are always slightly different from you know rural rural areas. Um, where I am now, uh, uh, 
it would be probably beer and vodka and nothing else if you go to Stockholm. You can always find some mixologist, and I really detest that term uh, for the record, but uh, and fancy drinks. But uh, out here, uh, yeah, it'll be uh, vodka, cranberry, Sweet. and Utilis. tap. Those, so that's if, clutch. So if you were to go down to like your local little cottage bar, uh, in the town, the fishing town, would that be kind of a rough bar? Like just guys putting work in down there at the bar? <laughs> Let me be clear here. This local village has 12 people who live here full time. They don't have a local bar. Uh, if I were to oh, go wow. to the, 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 uh, you know, I, I'm hesitant to call it the city because it's not, but congregation of houses with a greater density than normal for the region, uh, uh, which is about, I don't know, uh, 10 miles away from here. Uh, there's a bar there. Uh, it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. So you wouldn't bring your kids there to eat? Like, no. Uh, French fries and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. That's interesting. I mean, I know nothing about Sweden. Like, I've never been there. I've never really... And in fact, now I know two Swedish guys. I know Swede and Johan. And it's even funnier because Johan, I think, sounds more like a Swedish guy, <laughs> but Swede is the Swede, and Johan's just Johan. It's, it's like funny you because... and I, Jason. I, I was just going to say, it's like if, if Jason and I were to go to Sweden and they were to call Jason the American. And I'm like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> Here's the American and Dave. <laughs> Yeah, why not? Um, but the funny thing, I think Johan has been living in in the U.S. since like the late '80s, uh, because we were talking at the con, and and he was I, I, I was speaking Swedish. And after a while, it was, it's been a really long time since I spoke Swedish. Yeah. So maybe we should speak English instead. Oh, that's interesting. So he preferred to speak. Uh, I guess you. I guess like anything, you just lose yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, after twenty years. Yeah, the other experience I had recently was uh, I don't know how how the the smoke alarms and everything work in in Sweden. It's probably similar, but Jason probably has more experience with this. But Jason, you ever get it where your smoke alarms start to like uh, beep because the battery is mm -hmm. so low, right? So it's like three in the morning, and uh, the the thing goes like beep, and I'm Sweet. like. Fucking so you got to go get the ladder. You got to get up there. You have to and find like, the right one. Yeah, there's six of them upstairs. And when it goes off, you're like, is it that one? And my wife's like, no, I think it was this one over here. We're like, fuck. Because <laughs> it's echoing off the walls. And we, we don't have a single fucking nine volt battery in the house. And it's three in the morning. So like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, I guess we're just going to have to sleep through it. So, but they're set to like go off like every two minutes and like 14 seconds, like <laughs> the, the perfect time for when you're starting to doze off and then beep, you're just like, fuck. So we didn't sleep at all that night. I go to work. My wife texts me at like 11. She's like, I already bought all these nine volt batteries. I, they wouldn't work. I replaced the batteries. It's still beeping. I'm going crazy. I actually got two new smoke alarms and replaced two of the smoke alarms. They're still beeping. So she's just so, lighting money on fire. So, so she's, she's invested now like 60 bucks into trying to fix this thing. So I go and I look it up on the internet, this particular alarm, and they have this whole thing where 
you're supposed to take the alarm off, pull the batteries out. There's memory, so maybe it remembers the error code. Mm -hmm. So even if you replace the batteries, it's going to think it's dead. And these are uh, also hardwired. So that's why I was asking uh, Nick. I'm not sure if you guys do the hardwiring on the smoke alarms, but our smoke alarms are also wired into the electrical box. So, um, so I, I get the fucking thing. I press the button on it. After the battery out, it goes and drains. Put the battery back in, plug it back in, hook it up. Beep. I'm like, fucking motherfucker. <laughs> so then I take all of the upstairs smoke alarms out, down, do the same thing to each of them, put them all back up. Beep. I'm like, so now my wife is like, I think it was this one over here. We can't even figure out which fucking smoke alarm is fucking doing it. So I turned to her. I said, I think we might have to sell this fucking house. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be able to sleep here. Just, like, just we're burn going, it to the ground. We're going crazy. And there's like six or seven of them upstairs. So I go back and I look on the internet again. And I'm searching. And one guy says, make sure you follow the manufacturer instructions exactly. So I look on the manufacturer instructions and it says, shut off the power at the main before you do it. Now, oh my normally, gosh. Meet me with, with electrical shit. I'm like, fuck it. I don't care. I'm just going to unplug shit. I don't fucking unhook the, to shut the power off if I'm doing like minor electrical shit. Um, that's what breakers are for to save your life. So... So yeah, uh, installing ceiling fans, all that kind of stuff. It's yeah, fine. right. So, so I, uh, I'm like, maybe I need to fucking shut the power off at the at the box because it's the guy saying you got to do it exactly the way that the manufacturer says. So I shut the fucking power off. So now all the fucking clocks are off. All the shit is fucked up in the house because the power's off. I go through the whole fucking process again. Get the ladder, climb up, remove the fucking thing, take the battery out, drain it, put it back up. Get, move the ladder. So I do this seven fucking times. I go back, turn the power back on. Beep. I'm like, fucking, like, seriously, I'm like, what the fuck are we supposed to do with this? Like, we cannot live in this house like this. It's it's crazy. Um, so finally, I'm climbing up at the ladder and I'm looking at the thing. And we're, so Monica's in one room and I'm in the other. And now we're arguing over which one. <laughs> She's like, no, 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 it was this one. I'm like, no, I'm positive it was this one. And so, but the echoes makes it deceptive as to which one is not working. And I'm like, well, so then I said to her, where is the carbon monoxide alarm? Because we had had to buy this fucking carbon monoxide alarm when we refired our house. And it's a portable one that you put batteries in. And it's on top of the cabinet near where the fucking smoke alarm is. And I asked her that night and she said, oh, no, that's not what it is. So I took the carbon monoxide alarm and I fucking take it downstairs. And as I'm talking to her, I suddenly hear downstairs beep. I'm like, what a fucking, <laughs> it was a fucking carbon monoxide alarm the whole fucking time. So I spent, we spent $60, probably about 12 hours of effort. At least three different times, I dismantled every single fucking smoke alarm in the house. And the whole time, it was the fucking carbon monoxide alarm, which was low battery. That's outstanding. I seriously was worried, but thank uh, God we didn't. Can you imagine if we called an electrician? And yeah. The electrician's looking at it. He's like, uh, it's, it's, it's this right here. It's this fucking. <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's like, that'd be like four hundred dollars for me coming out here and fucking. So that was. We had something similar about six months ago, and I tore the house apart. Like it's this one, it's this one, and it turns out my wife had bought a like track phone for my son to use at school like if he needed to be picked up from cross country or whatever and it was the same thing the, the batteries in a cell phone were low but it was that same like high pitch oh like two tones like this is exactly 
and it took us probably about eight hours and a sleepless night to find that stupid thing. Yeah, I mean, it gets to like, I know people who've ripped them out of the ceiling before because it was late and they were annoyed and then they have to call like an electrician to repair it the next day or whatever. Yeah, that was it. That was my big adventure. That was maddening. Fucking super annoying. But I told my wife, I said, at least now we really understand how the smoke alarms work. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm an expert on how to, how to erase their memories. And Just the effort of resetting all the batteries is enough to make you want to shoot yourself. Yeah, apparently you're supposed to do it every year. So there's your household tip for yeah. everyone out there. You're supposed to every year you're supposed to replace your uh, smoke alarm batteries. Also, replace your fire you extinguisher, or your insurance companies will be angry. That's right. I do have. I actually have a fire extinguisher. Do you have a fire extinguisher, Jason? I do. Yeah, I was a professional cook for a while, so I keep one in the kitchen just in case. Yeah, like underneath yep. the sink or yeah. something. In Sweden, though, you don't need that, right? Nick, you can just run outside and just throw the snow on the house. <laughs> Isn't round. that the way it works? <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe there's a we, winter trip we've too far. I must have missed something. It was just... I was just, never mind. I don't know if it was good enough to repeat. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, Nick, what kind of gaming have you been doing lately? Uh, lately, um, uh, in the last couple of weeks, I haven't actually been playing too many games, uh, mostly because I had to close out a, a couple of things for work, uh, which meant those lovely, lovely 70 hour weeks that everyone enjoys so much. Um, prior to that, um, uh, I played a bunch of uh what was it i played some uh uh gcacw i uh, played that online and then i i played around with it uh on my own and uh we also played some stonewall sword me and the duck uh one night i'm still waiting for that game to turn up actually i know i'm gonna get that uh at uh game on i think uh other than that um mostly what would you what you what do you think of stonewall sword did you like yeah it? i think it was fun i mean we were basically bumbling our way through uh, uh through the rule book uh, if we uh, uh if we had had a better grasp of the rules uh, the, now that's unfair uh i think i think the duck had a, a much better grasp of the rules than I had because true to form I turned up without really having done much more than look through the rules and go ah this doesn't seem too hard uh, so uh, but I mean I I think I think it actually uh, could be a lot of fun uh, it seems like a cool system yeah uh, I mean Nick Nick in your defense I mean the duck is such a blatant cheater that you do kind of have to look up the rules as you play and make sure <laughs> it's not case. completely screwing you over. Yeah, just he thinks it's part of gameplay. <laughs> he, miss, he misses, he mixes up gameplay and, and cheating, blatant cheating at times. Yeah, I, you know, I, he might, he might still be angry at me now for actually accidentally winning when we were playing uh, whatever it was called, the opium game we played a couple of no. weeks ago. So. <laughs> so. <laughs> You did. You did trounce him pretty heavily. 
All right, Jason, how about you? What do you got going on? Do you play anything recently? Uh, lately, just uh, the last couple of days, playing legendary encounters with my son. I haven't had much time for, or much bandwidth for anything of, of substance. Speaking of Duck, though, you've been playing Guns of Gettysburg with him, right? I have, and after him complaining that I was cheating, uh, I've now retreated basically back to the positions of, of the original battle. So it's, I, I basically had to flee. I mean, he's about to, I tried to defend out by north of Gettysburg, but I mean, I'm, I'm the union, but basically you're, you're it's very risky because he, he shoved me off that first ridge line before Gettysburg. And then I had to kind of go to withdrawal orders and flee all my guys back to cemetery Ridge in that area. So, so it's kind of cool where I'm, I'm, I formed the fish hook and uh, now I'm kind of waiting for the Confederates to come in. So we'll see what happens. That's cool. And so, hey, so you got legend? Did, did you get the legendary aliens? I, I did. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I opened um, thirteen days first. I was like, "How did you know about this game?" I, <laughs> I, I, I told my wife, "I was like, that's like, yeah." She's like, "Is that okay?" I said, "Yeah, this is a game I, I really wanted. How did you know about it?" She's like, "Oh, I'll tell you later." And of course, the kids were there because we're opening presents. And I was thinking, "Is it like a?" Is she like spying on me? Like, why can't she tell me now? And then, and then the last thing I opened was the the aliens legendary. She said, "She said, okay, now I can tell you." I I emailed Dave. I was like, "How did you get Dave's email address?" We're Facebook and she friends. Said, no, on Facebook. I said, oh, that makes that makes sense. She said, "Yeah, I, I emailed him and asked asked for game recommendations, and you gave her, I guess, both of those games." But she looked at aliens and was like, eh, "I don't know about that." And then a couple weeks later. I said, hey, if you need recommendations for like our parents or anything, I really want this game. And so she ended up buying it the next day. So she got me both of your both See, of your recommendations. Listened, I know. Should have listened to me the first time. That's good stuff. You know, she she asks me questions sometimes. I suggest like sexual positions. I think you might <laughs> I, I like. Appreciate you know, that. Stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's symbiotic. I I really appreciate that you guys have that behind the scenes relationship. No, it was cool when she when she messaged me. I, th- I thought that was a really good idea. So then I tried to suggest that to my wife, but she's like, "Yeah, that's nice." <laughs> so I said, "Go fuck yourself." I said, "I'm like, yeah, I'm like, hey, Jason's wife is this really cool thing." <laughs> but I was also kind of worried because I'm like, I actually was talking to Mitch, and I'm like, I want to get a game, but I don't, if Jason's buying it on the sly, I don't want to fuck. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? Like I did. I so guys, you guys have to keep your fucking BGG profiles up to date. For sure. You know, as far as what you own, because if somebody does want to get you a game, it's really useful to be able to go in there and see what you want and order those. Because that's what I did. I actually went through your shit oh. to see see what like you the, wanted, yeah. like the 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 uh, want list or whatever on BGG. Right, exactly. Yeah, I keep and that what shit you up owned and what you were. Yeah, you're good. I appreciate. I it. I mean, I don't know. How, I don't know how much you transpose between your little sweaty book and on and onto BGG. I don't know which one is the more up to date as far as the sweaty books just for plays or just for notes okay, on plays. Okay. Like, uh, okay. Yeah, they're they're uh, cohabitating. Okay, I'm glad that worked out. <laughs> Thirteen days. I was wish that the one you would do that. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was playing Thirteen with Jesse, Days, was that the one yeah. you played with Jesse at the con? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really fun. It's it basically boils Twilight Struggle down into a thirty to forty five minute game. Yeah, and I think the legendary games are really good. I think they're very easy to play. <laughs> yeah, and so. my son will play it, and that's I need like he's grounded from all his electronics right now. He was 
sexting. He's ten. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, we we caught him. <laughs> it, it wasn't luckily he wasn't sending pictures of himself, but he was like sending dirty texts with emojis, which. Um, so this, this kid still kisses us both on the lips, like to say goodnight, he wants a kiss on the lips. Like how, how are you talking about like licking pussy on, on text messages to your friends and still want a kiss on the mouth? Like, hold on, hold on. He's talking about this to his friends. Like, like what? Um, I can't wait to... To get some pussy, <laughs> yeah, <to lick>. basically. <laughs> like, he, would you I, rather? I'm... Would you rather do this or that? And you could tell, like, he doesn't. He doesn't really know what he's saying because one of the questions he asked his friend is, "Would you rather kiss her or make out with her?" So you know, like, okay, you don't know what making out is apparently, but but you know, he's there, he's trying to figure yeah, it out. Yeah. yeah, and he's ten. Like that's fair, but don't do it via text where you can get caught, dummy. Like do it, do it at recess. So he's grounded from all his electronics. So we've been trying to play board games because otherwise he drives me fucking crazy because he's 10, so he doesn't stop moving or making noise, and I just want quiet calmness. But but I don't get that. Yeah. But yeah, it yeah, was a good well, recommendation. That's fun. A 9- and 11-year-old, I, I know about the moving around and making noises. <laughs> While playing games, while I yeah. go, can you just please <laughs> just just take your fucking turn? Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to think. Like ten years old, like that seems. Uh, I'm trying to think what I was. I guess we were talking about it, but you're getting near that age where like they you, you like how long has that kid been in the bath? Like that yeah. kind of thing. Like we're there. Do you know we're what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his his his. Uh, bathroom sessions are suspiciously long <laughs> and he takes like they're, they're epic. They're epic. <laughs> so he's he's a short small kid uh there's not much to there's not much to bathe right but he takes 40 minute showers <laughs> so yeah we're he, he's at that age that could be three or four <laughs> sessions he's way younger than i was i mean i was i was way later than that to start exploring oh my god my daughter's 10 so i'm like yeah she's right yep. there she's saying yep. wow. that's horrifying wow and my daughter's 14 like i told my wife like we're so lucky like she can she can be a pain in the butt sometimes but in general she's a good kid the things i was doing at 14 was horrifying like Oh yeah, when I was fourteen, if you came into my bedroom at night, I might not be. <laughs> there might be a man. There might be a yeah. mannequin or like a paper mache yeah. doll underneath. Yeah. Like I was Seriously. gone. <laughs> I was out on the streets. Uh, I was in someone else's bed. When, uh, go ahead. Exactly. I mean, where I grew no, up, I, uh, we had we lived in an apartment, and it was on the first floor. And just outside, there was a a small like roof that was over a bunch of garages that were at the uh, the bottom floor. So I could basically just step out of my bedroom window roof and just jump down um, from that to uh, to the street and then take the subway or the, yeah, the subway mostly into town, which, yeah, led to some interesting That's crazy to think about Plus, now. Yeah. Plus, Nick, you were tall, right? So you could probably pass yourself off as a much older person, right? I mean, well, like, you know, the young age. When I was, you the when I was 16 and 17, definitely. 
when I was when I was seventeen. What, what's the drink? What's the drinking uh, age? What's the drinking age in Sweden? Eighteen in a restaurant. Twenty uh, if you want to buy it in a, the the sort of state monopoly liquor stores. Uh, but okay, so you yeah, I had a, I had a so you go ahead. You the, no, you yeah, okay. You I had a, I had a friend in school uh, who didn't drink, but uh, his dad was uh, Yugoslavian. Uh, there's a we were we were classmates, and there's a, a a class photo from sixth grade. So we're what twelve maybe, uh, and there's uh, you know the the teacher, female teacher. There's a bunch of kids, and then there's this guy who has a beard. Uh, it was always uh, the guy he, with the beard, beard that he <laughs> used to buy all the food. Exactly. So we just sent him uh, uh, to uh, to to buy the liquor for That's us. Funny. Yeah, we all. Every group had to have one kid that had a beard. That was the kid that had to go in and buy all the the beer at Seven Eleven or wherever. I just had friends of older siblings, or my 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 friends had older siblings, and their their friends would all like provide us with whatever we needed which looking back is like as a 22 year old how how old these now kids were i I would never buy booze for a 14 year old like that's crazy but i guess back then right i don't want to get into how crazy my childhood was but my mom would literally buy us beer nice (laughs) it's good looking out the other thing you got to be concerned about though is uh raids on your liquor cabinet Right, because you've got a pretty extensive supply. Right? So. Yeah, and I've, I've thought about that. I made my daughter, because whenever I make a drink, my daughter wants to try it. And like sometimes she'll surprise me. I made a zombie at home a couple months ago, which is like five ounces of rum. I mean, this thing is so strong. And I tr- let her try it thinking she would think it was disgusting, and she loved it. So now she's like, will you make me a zombie? But I made her drink some japanese whiskey the other night and she about threw up so i think at least the straight liquor is is fine at least for a little while but yeah we have like yeah, dumb but... shit like whipped cream vodka or strawberry vodka that i'm sure she oh, can yeah, get dude, into they'll, they'll snag that stuff like i seriously would always steal it we we drink my mom's cooking share <laughs> just and anything I mean, right yeah really anything and like then we would do the thing when they put the lines on then i would pour the water in and dilute yeah. it to make it look like it was not missing. So, yeah, yeah watch out. Yeah. Be a bad experience. That you, age. you think you've got a nice nice bottle of liquor and, you, <laughs> and it's like half water. I would I would lose my shit. Yeah, that's the worst yeah. crime. It's about yeah. the deception. Yeah, you can drink crime. it. That's fine. Just don't dilute it. Yeah, that's good. Well, well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed the game. I think it's a cool game. I think all the legendary games are kind of cool. They're kind of it's a deck builder, right? The same way as as all mm-hmm. like yeah. you kind of build your deck as you play. Yeah, it's because um, we we have Marvel legendary, um, but the Alien is a little bit more. You feel like you're actually doing something because there's like objectives you have to accomplish as the as the bad guys come out. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's cool. Um, hey, so one of the things I wanted to talk about with Nick here is Nick has played, or at least has some experience with uh, the Viva Le Emperor system, and he's also seen some Labatai since uh, we we kind of did a little bit of it at, at AACCon. And uh, I don't know, Nick, did you want to talk a little bit about your feelings on the differences between 
those two series because you know both of them are kind of like tactical in a way one is maybe more detail oriented than the other but i'd be interested to hear your impressions nick on it yeah i mean that 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 pretty much sums it up uh, the, the the core of it uh, labatai is definitely far more detail oriented uh i'm I, I like Labatai. If I had more time, I'd play Labatai more. Um, the the benefit for me, I think, with the, the Vive L'Empereur system is that I can, if I get home late from work, which is actually, I think, when I've played this the most, if I get home at like 10 p.m., everyone else is asleep, the kids are asleep, the wife is asleep. And I know I got, you know, two hours, three hours to wind down just to sort of get to the point where I can actually go to sleep myself. And I can just put something up and and get to uh, a point where uh, interesting stuff starts to happen and shit going quickly. Uh, uh, the Viv the, the system is easier. Uh, I think that's partly because the the I I basically uh, uh, specifically for that just set up everything or, or pulled out everything for uh, for the scenarios I, I or the scenario I normally play. Uh, so the setup is is reasonably reasonably quick, but. Uh, if I compare them, if if I if I had if I had enormous amounts of time, or, or at least far more free time, I'd probably be playing Labatai more uh, because it is it has it doesn't restrict you, which which sounds weird because uh, I think Viv Emperor is actually more sort of free form in a sense uh, than Labatai, but uh, at the same time, it doesn't end up in, in completely unrealistic situations. So, um, so when you, when you play, when you play Vive Emperor, uh, what command rules do you generally use? Because it's got like five or six levels of different command, like restrictions you can use. I mean, do you just use like the free play one? Yeah, and I, I've guys played, where I played around with, with uh, um, I think it's the third one, isn't it? The fourth one is written orders, I think. Uh, so I usually try. The third one has the chits as the command. Yeah, chits. exactly. And I, I, I'm, I've been looking at that and going, okay, so maybe that that could be that would be good. I. Uh, I think I've mostly been playing around with uh, the uh, uh, the tactical orders uh, in the sense that you sort of uh, uh, you get a limited amount of orders uh, uh, per turn, and uh, you have sort of a you you either have like attack or or defense or or something else that you. That you have as your your order for a specific turn, uh, but I've been looking at. Yeah, the... I think my my experience. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was I was gonna say my experience has been that 
And I like the fact that with Vivi Limper and basically these, these two systems, Labatai is a very well-known tactical system from Clash of Arms and Martial Enterprises, very detailed, uh, very, I would say it's definitely complex, but it's not hard to understand. There's just a lot of rules and there's a lot of stuff going on. And it works on a chip pull system generally, uh, as opposed to uh, Vivi Limper, which is a, like La Retour d'Emperor and and uh, four battles in Spain. I'm not going to try to pronounce the, the French of it. Um, now I think out by Legion uh, kind of gives you a little bit more accessible in that you can basically put out an entire battle on a table that's maybe three by six or whatever and play it. Or And, and it's playable on one or two map sheets. You can play Quattro Bra or you can play some other battle and, and expect to finish it in a reasonable amount of time where that would take a lot longer. My experience has been with the Emperor as well. I like the fact that I can get more done more quickly. I end up like, I don't know how many of those battles I actually finish because I miss out on some of the fun or something with it. I don't get quite inspired the way I do when I'm playing Labatai. And so it ends up kind of becoming a drag about midway through the battle to where I kind of just like, fuck it. I just put the game away. No, but I, I, and I don't know why that is. I, and I, I completely understand what you're what you're saying. I mean, it's it's basically the same. I think for me, it's just that uh, just the fact that I can get going faster. Uh, and I think it's more of a consequence of the situation in which I play rather than anything else. Because if I again, if I had, if I knew I had a weekend uh, to spend on it, I I be much more likely to put up Labatai. Um, but in those situations where you have a couple of hours and you just want to see uh, what might happen, um, something like Kathawa uh, is, is a good example. It's a one map, um, uh, it's a one map scenario, one map battle. Um, and one where you can actually do a lot of different you, you have a lot of different options from the start uh right it, it it's a it's a it's a really good battle i mean to play there's a lot of challenge absolutely a lot of challenge regardless of which side you're looking uh, you're looking at and there's a lot of where you can go if you want to send uh if you want to go up up uh, uh and and try to outflank with your cavalry and and head up and try to stop the enforcements uh, by going around or something else so uh i i really i i'm really fond of that particular battle for some odd reason um but if we just talk about the rules as such, the 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 order, specifically the order rules for for Vive Emperor, I think are really good and order rules that I'd like to see other games actually take a look at and try to sort of implement um, because they they are much less cumbersome and and much easier, at least for me and. It's sometimes hard because you you what people find easy to understand or hard to understand is is uh, personal to some extent, but um, at least for me that they're they're easy to, to grasp uh, much more so than than some other systems. Yeah, I've seen. it's uh, 
I, I really want to love it because I, I think it makes so many more of these big battles more accessible to me and easy for me to play and experience. But yeah, I just find that like somewhere in the process, the magic has been lost for me. Like I, I, I think I have more unfinished Vivil Emperor games than any other game that I have, you know, because I just eventually am like, yeah, I'll be like six turns in and I'm just like, I'm not going to finish this. So, no, but do, do you normally finish all the, uh, uh, if you set up a, a, a Labatai scenario or, or a Labatai battle, uh, do you normally finish that? Uh, or because for me, it's, it's, uh, very often the case, it, regardless of if I play, uh, solo or if I play opposed, uh, uh, it's very often the case that, that, you know, you never finish, you sort of get to a point where, um, you sort of go, okay, I'm done or we're done, uh, for whatever reason. And you sort of got something out of it. Well, I, I think, I think the difference tends to be that with Labatai, usually if I'm going to stop, it's because I've got to pick it up for some reason. Maybe I've got to put something else out or, uh, whereas with Viva Emperor, it feels like I generally pick it up because I'm like, I don't want to play this anymore. You know? No, I know. I, I, I think, I think partly that's, that that may be specific to the way I end up playing games due to sort of work and everything else where uh, I have a hard time and and I, I've been trying to to sort of work around this in various ways, but I haven't really found a way to do it uh, that that works. But if I have a scenario out or a battle out uh, and I'm in the middle of it and I walk away and I might not get back to it for three days or through a week even uh i i find it hard to sort of engage with it again regardless of yeah the I, I think i think for me the the big thing that i like about labatai is i like how well i agree that it's bullshit as far as who the player is and who you're representing and that the player is way too involved with decisions at the highest levels as well as decisions at the lowest levels of command there's something fun about the way squares and skirmishers and all those mechanisms interact with each other fighting, and that's fun. Whereas in Vival Emperor, it's me rolling a d6 and checking a chart and seeing that I put a hit on a guy. So I think that's maybe the issue for me. It's it's the process of Labatai yeah. that's more interesting to me than the process. Yeah, but Labatai tells more interesting stories than, than Vival Emperor. That that I think is without um, uh, and the skirmishers is definitely one of those cases where where that system is uh, much much better I would say than than Viv Emperor but uh, it's also uh, I think it it it's obviously much much heavier uh, I don't know. I can't remember what is it. It's like 40, 50 pages of rules, maybe, uh, compared to Vival Emperor, which is if you want to play with the standard rules, it's like 18, 19 pages. And those are written in the sort of, yeah, whatever, true, feel to do something fun. I know, but, but, 
But part, part of the problem with the Viva Limpera rules is they tend to be very loose and it makes it, there are, I, I find I, I'm almost checking the rules as many times to see like, okay, now I'm disorganized. So what does that mean? Or like, I'm constantly like jumping around to try to figure stuff out. Even in Viva Limpera, I find myself looking up stuff quite a bit. So I'm, this makes me want to play Lapatai again. I would love right? to play Lapatai again. It, it's just one of those. It, it's one of those games where I feel like every time I sit down with it and do something with it, I want to just go. Okay, so I need to get someone at gunpoint, more more than likely, considering my friends. Uh, I, I need to get one of them to play this game with me because I want to go up to this place, for example, a normal weekend when I'm working or not working in that case and go up here and just lock the doors and play for uh, three days straight. Well, well, because uh, it is chip pull though, it's actually a decent solo game. Absolutely. Because you, know I mean? you, you never up, know what's coming out of the cup. Right, right. Then you end up in that situation that, that I was describing before, where I have a, an issue with, you know, I, I might get two turns in. I mean, it, it's not uh, next war where it takes you, what, seven days to get a turn done. But uh, so it, it takes some time to, to uh, go through a turn, especially if you're not, if you you have to go back to the rules the whole time. So you got three hours, you, you get to a turn or two, um, and then you leave it, and then you have to come back to it and go, okay, so where was that? But I think that's that's more of a personal preference than anything. Yeah, and, and maybe 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 the truth is that uh, Labatai is a much better solo game, and because I do end up doing a lot of my gaming solo, uh, like I played Campbell, and, and I think I've played uh, Rodvik also, and uh, we, we did the Katrabra battle, and it's fun. We had a good time. I enjoyed it much more face-to-face, -face. even playing like the basic, I think we played like Command 2, I don't think we even played Command 3. We, played, we basically played just with command radiuses, which you have yeah, to yeah. play with, because otherwise the game gets ridiculous with, with cavalry units just running all over the map. So, um, But we did that one, and it was fun, actually. So maybe it's just a better game face-to-face -face for the Viva Limpera system. Because I think that the otherwise, it, the, if you're going to play a game solo, the interactions and the processes need to be interesting at, in of themselves to keep your interest otherwise it's like okay i rolled a six i rolled a two so that's it so so basically you would say that if you had the opponents and you had the time and space you would, you would, I, I play, would lot play a lot of time first uh I, you know I'd, I'd still i'd still probably play play fifth limper i mean like i i i wrote it and and up in the guild uh but you know, every once in a while, I'd, I'd probably go back to that because I think. I mean, part of it is that I'm very fond of the 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 way that they did the the counters with the so you you turn them uh, to do line or or. Road formation. Yeah, it's like Super, it's like a little bit yeah, of a miniature. Exactly. And I mean, the game itself yeah. feels very sort of miniature game-ish, uh, in the sort of looseness of the rules, uh, in a sense. But 
so I mean, I, I've had a lot of fun with it. So I, I'd, I'd probably go back to it every once in a while. But but I, if I had the time, one of those when I when I actually uh, retire, I'll uh, play in love. Hey Jason, did you have more. a game that you wanted to review uh, for the episode? Um, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll end uh 2016 in style and i'll 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 pass it's <clears throat> i haven't been playing much of anything lately and you don't want to review legendary aliens uh it's fun i'll say that it's a lot of fun it's easy to play that. you were concerned that it might be too violent uh i i was for for my son but it's i mean it's still just art on cards and he's He's seen Prometheus. He wants to see Alien. So if he's seen the movie, anything on the cards isn't going to be even that bad. Plus, if he's old enough to lick pussy, exactly. I think he's going to end up looking at some cards. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. or, or even old enough to want to. <laughs> no, no. He's, he might be speaking. He might not even be knowing what he's getting yeah, himself I don't, into. Yeah, I don't think he knows what he's getting in, himself into. Uh, well, I got a, I got a quick game I want to talk about, and it's uh, I'm not going to really do like a very in-depth review because I've talked about it. I wanted to talk about Warfighter World War II. Oh, yeah, right on. I want, I want to hear yeah. what the differences are. Yeah, so that's kind of what I want to talk about. And I had actually drunkenly uh, pre-ordered this through NWS. <laughs> See, online. I, when we talked about it, I was like, oh, World War II. And you said, no, I didn't. Like I swear you bought that game. I completely forgot <laughs> that I bought it, and it showed up. It was really nice. That's the best. Um, so the, the map I got is a hard hardbacked map. So it's basically like a fold out. It's not like the the sheet one. It's like a fold out hard hard based reinforced map, which is cool. You would like that it's in a straight line. Yes, so I did see that. There's no L shape. Um, it, it's it's. I think it's very similar. I think it comes with. Uh, I've only done one scenario in it, but it comes with basically the opponents are like uh, Germans frontline guys and German elites. And uh, so those are the two opponents that I didn't get all the fucking Kickstarter shit and all the extra sets. And I basically just got the US guys. And then uh, so it's US versus Germans for the basic. One of the things I liked was I thought the, uh, the locations are kind of cool. They have a bunch of different locations. And they, they all looked kind of interesting. Like, uh, for example, in one of my scenarios, I was trying to, I was, I was a tank hunter scenario and I only had like two turns left to get there. And I'm like, Oh fuck dude, there's no way I'm going to be able to get into this next area. But they had something called like the, like all the terrain is very different. I'm trying to see if I can find that particular piece of terrain. Um, the first cool thing they did was they, uh, they they instead of having the locations be sorted into your deck the way they were in warfighter you have in the in your in the action deck you have location markers that are look like action cards so when you pull it you discard can discard that card and then draw a card from a separate location deck oh that's cool so you don't have to keep sorting the mixing the location decks in with the, the action cards. You can just have a separate deck, and these these generic location cards tell you to go draw from a, a location card. That makes sense. But yeah, so there was this. I forget what the one I had. I think it was like Country Lane, and uh, it gave me basically a bonus. But like, there's there's in, there's interesting. Uh, like for example, Traffic Hub. Traffic Hub is uh, one action to play. But the problem with Traffic Hub is it's got a very high reinforcement number, so it's going to bring in guys that are generally you don't want to see. 
and it always draws for reinforcements whether you're on it yeah. or not so the idea is you've you've played this major traffic hub so even if you're past it on your adventure uh on your mission your adventure on your mission <laughs> um these Playing guys role-playing will, games units units will still keep rolling in because you put played this location and then they start coming after you you know because they start to so putting the traffic hub down is a dangerous location to play even though it's a zero to enter it's easy to go through because then it attracts all of these armored units and vehicles in to uh to fuck with you because it's a because there's a lot of traffic so I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I can't find the lane one, but the lane was cool. The lane basically saved me in my scenario because it gave me like a free move. But there's something like if you stay on it, it's much more likely to attract reinforcements because it's a lane. So you're sure. moving up and down kind of the road. out in the open. Right. Like, like one is road, free to play, which is awesome. Entry cost is zero, which is great. Unfortunately, it always draws for reinforcements. And so it's one in five through nine. So again, vehicles, because they're going to be high numbers. Um, and I don't know if Warfighter had this, but there's also a cool thing where you can evade a vehicle. If you've got a certain number of experience points and you pull a vehicle, uh, like, for example, like say the Panzer IV tank, its evade is six XP. So when you run into that tank, you can actually pay experience points to, to not have to face it. And the idea is that your patrol basically is experienced. They detect the tank early and they know how to sneak around it. <laughs> so they have that for, like, I think when I drew the lane in my game, uh, a half track showed up, but I had enough experience points where I could evade and remove the half track and then move through. So my guys basically came to the lane, the squad leader maybe heard them and then was like, fuck it, there's a half track over there. Let's go around. And, and you just burn those XP. Yeah, you burn the XP and then the card gets discarded. That's cool. But you don't get uh, experience points for it, for sure. killing it. Game, right. So. But yeah, it's cool. I mean, they've got bazookas, machine guns. And like another cool thing is like the uh, the German machine gun teams. Excuse me. They uh, they can, like when you're rolling for them, like, uh, yeah, they, do, they can do a miss, they can do a wound, but then they can do two wounds and then they roll again. Two wounds and roll again. So they can just keep rolling and rolling and rolling and fucking you up when they pop up. And the other cool thing is they can also increase the entrance costs to other locations near them. Because oh, the Yeah, because they're like fucking, you know, like, like setting up a field of fire and you're trying to avoid them. So, yeah, I think the game's great. I, I think the World War II one's pretty interesting. So, I, I really like the art. I like that kind of dusty art style that they have on it. Yeah, they did, and yeah, it's kind of some of it's like colorized, but but yeah, it looks like, it looks like basically a lot of them are colorized World War II photos. But um, yeah, I mean, all the terrain I think really makes sense. Like you can play ruins, and uh, they're hard to play, and they also move your counter for timer forward. So like getting through the ruins is tough because it takes you time. Or like here's a one large warehouse. It costs you two actions to play a large warehouse, but if you eliminate all the hostels there, you can distribute five resource points of gear to soldiers in that location. <laughs> so it's like your guys find shit, like open up crates and so yeah, I think it's cool. I like that. And the price point is pretty low for the game. I want to say it was like fifty-five or fifty through NWS. So yeah. Though I don't know if he's is he going to carry these games anymore. I think DVG made the cut. Yeah. So um, uh, that was heartbreaking. I. <laughs> I usually try to keep the uh, the geekiness to a minimum with the wife, but when I read Chris's post about 
not carrying like GMT. I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> Had yeah, to explain tough. to her why that was a big deal to me. Yeah, I think this game's cool. Like, just playing the World War II American set that I had made me want to then see, oh, what, I wonder what the Soviets would look like, or I wonder what, like, you know, sure. made me want to get other packs. So that's good. I recommend it. Good to hear. Yeah, I, it does look like it's a little bit more refined from from the the first one. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, yeah, it operates very similarly. I, don't, I, I wasn't able to detect too many differences. The big thing I noticed was that they had the location cards, which seemed to, to help out. But, yeah, so it's good. I liked it. it I think it's let maybe less complicated in some ways because the equip, there's not as much of a variety of, of equipment. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. You don't so, have to worry about knee pads and... Yeah, so the on, first one, was that the... On I mean, the forces one, or... It was uh, the uh, Gulf, like Desert Desert Storm Wars, like Gulf War, oh, Iraq okay. War, and like and, and, and like Panama, or, yeah, right, like Colombia, like fighting in Colombia or whatever, like clear and present danger type shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was drinking that. That almost hurt. But yeah, I think it's good. Um, I think they they. They might have changed some of the little things, but yeah, I, I recommend it. So I'd give it like uh, seven, seven and a half, probably stars and beers. Yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> Drink it up. Drink as much as you yeah, want. So, I mean, you, you'll play it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it you'll, won't matter. You'll, you'll make mistakes when you play, and you'll figure out later that you did some things wrong. But I mean, I think but it's. You'll, you'll probably die anyway. So, <clears throat> like, if you cheat in your favor, it's, it's not going to make too much of a difference most of the time. But the cool thing is sometimes like you think it's hopeless. Like there were a couple times where I'm like, oh, I got to get like two through two, three locations and I've got like two on the timer. Like there's no way I'm going to get there. Uh, like I had my bazooka. I ran up to a tank and I fired my bazooka and I, I immobilized it. And then I was panicking. So then the, I'm trying to reload my cards to get a card that's going to save my ass before the tank fires at me because the tank can literally kill everyone. <laughs> so like yeah, when, when the tank is healthy and it rolls it's 10 or higher is kill all oh jeez seven to nine is uh, two wounds all so and it's a uh, and it's penetration is ridiculous it's got like a, a four or something for armor so oh it's an eight it's cover is an eight it's rolling that with a d6 oh, so try to you gotta have like a either a, a rifle grenade or like a bazooka to have any chance at it but it, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It was it was even with me playing uh, on my coffee table. It was dramatic. I think I posted it up on the, yeah. the panic panic room. Yeah. Hey Nick, are you in? Uh, are you on Facebook or no? Uh, no, uh, I'm uh, no no Facebook is. Uh, I don't know. I never got around to it, and then I've avoided it ever since. So. The, the, the secret. No. The secret is unfollow everyone. That's the secret <laughs> to being happy on Facebook. And make yourself I, that in general life. But we but we have a so. we have a panic room, which is we, we, we have a panic room on Facebook, which is actually highly entertaining. So that's usually like I think I posted some stuff about my, my game up there. So that's it. Uh, so Nick, did you have a game that you wanted to review? Uh, yeah. So I, I was I was thinking about this. So what what do I talk about? Um, because lately I haven't been playing a lot of games, but I figured, okay, so uh, why not talk about something that I've uh, 
uh, actually been playing um, uh, during the, the fall to, to try to figure out if it would work for what I wanted it to work for. Um, so basically, again, it's like Napoleon. Uh, Napoleon comes back <laughs> all the time for me. Uh, I, I don't know why. The guy is just hey. interesting. Hey, Nick, Nick, what's... Nick, uh, the, the, you actually let up off the button at the exact moment you said the name of the game. Uh, I did say the name, the name of the game. Or yeah. did you not mention it? Uh, no. I'm doing one of those, <laughs> you know, lead-in kind of things. Uh, now, it, it's, it's Napoleon against you. Uh, uh, the, what I was going to say was, I mean, it's, I, I think it might be, be different if, if you're in if you're in Europe, Napoleon Napoleonic Wars, Napoleonis is this sort of big looming figure that was you you spend a lot of time on in history lessons talking about the 19th century, uh, and uh, the guy came from Corsica, and if you've had any sort of interactions with France or and French people in general, you know that that's basically the only. The good thing Corsica is famous for, because other than that, Corsica is only known for having produced the worst organized crime that that uh, that sort of exists in the in uh, metropolitan France, as they call it. Um, they really dislike Corsica. Like, I, I I don't even know what I mean. As much as you guys like Canada, I would say, but. Um, <laughs> so anyway yeah that, i don't know if that's possible i don't know i think you might have well, you have you haven't heard the french talk about corsica obviously uh anyway so this is a hexasim game it came out about it back when it came out for me i think it was 2012 or 2013 thereabouts and i read about it and uh people were saying that um the rules were bad so I figured, okay, so I'll pass on this, uh, even though it, it had some other aspects that, that were interesting to me. The, the main reason, uh, other than the fact that Napoleon was involved, that, that it interested me was that it was a CDG. And if you're like me and, and most of your friends or all of your friends that actually play games, um, mostly play Euro games, you know that you can probably get them to play CDGs. You can get them to play like coin games or Wilderness War or Washington's War or Path of, Path of Glory, something like that. Uh, if you sort of bribe them or, or threaten them or have some sort of dirt on them. Uh, other than that, you're, you're basically stuck. I mean, trying to get them to play La Bataille is, is you know, it's never going to happen. Uh, so when I saw this, I figured, okay, so this might be interesting. Then the rules were bad, so I, I passed. And then the, uh, I think this spring in 2016, they released the second edition. So I figured, okay, how about I, I take the plunge and, uh, uh, and see if this works. Uh, the thing I have to do then, this is going to sound like be complaining now, 
but it's not. It's just sort of a fact of life. If I want to get someone to play that kind of game with me, I need to play it myself. Playing any CDG solo is going to be painful. Um, no, Nick, Nick, is that so that you can be prepared to teach them? Because you know you're going to have to teach exactly, the game? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because I, I, if I can't give them the rules and say, here's, here's some rules, read them, and then we can play the game. Uh, it, I mean, it, it just wouldn't work. I, I've tried that, and, and it, it actually, uh, when I can teach them the game, it works much better. Uh, however, so this game, it's one of those games that I really want to like. Uh, it's got beautiful components. I mean, absolutely beautiful components. I'm strangely partial to mounted maps for this kind of game because it makes it possible for me to just grab the game go somewhere else and, and play it with people. I don't have to bring like Lexi or, uh, and I, you know, e even though this has counters, it's not a lot of counters. So uh, people freak out when they, when they see tweezers, generally it's one of those <laughs> things that, that made people go, I didn't know this was a medical procedure that we were getting into. Or, or, so, or like an, uh, an AAC con, or like an AAC con where, where uh, Brad had a gigantic pile of all of his Moscow counters in one big heap. And then we spent the next uh, four hours sorting <laughs> them all out. Yeah, and the, the, the thing was is that most of it was done by myself. And I think you helped out, and uh, Dr. Rocket, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, Carl? Yeah, Carl, exactly. Yeah, uh, Brad was sorting them by color. And I tried, <laughs> I, Brad, Brad sorted them by color, and I tried to explain to him that sometimes the armies were the same colors, <laughs> so that was not helpful for us. <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. So, yeah, you, you, you sort of have to try to spoon feed a bit. If I want to play this kind of games, these guys, and, you know, they have a... a I, I like playing your own games. Uh, it's just that I want to play these other games too. And if I want to play them with my friends, then I have to help them out. So I need to teach them the game. And I need to make sure that they don't have to deal with stuff like tweezers and, and uh, uh, sorting counters into counter trays and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, um, where was I going with that, I guess? Um, so you were playing, you, you had to play it solo because you had to learn yeah, exactly. so you could show them. And I, I played it solo a couple of times to try to get the hang of it. Uh, there's a couple of scenarios that you can, you can go through the game, the campaign game itself is, is 1805 to 18, oh, 1814 basically. There's a, I think there's an, there's an 1815 scenario as well when Napoleon gets back from exile. Uh, uh, the problem, and this 
comes back to um, the general problem of, of rules to some extent. I think they've leaned up the rules. I haven't read the first edition ones, uh, but there are far more ambiguities uh, in the rule set and which is worse on the cards than there would be in any other game. And to me, that that becomes then a, a problem because if there's one thing I've learned over time, it's that the people who like to play uh, Euro games, they like very clear rules. And when you have ambiguous texts on cards that they have to sort of read through, figure out that's uh, not gonna play out. Uh, well, at least, because then you end up in discussions about, okay, is this good or bad or, or, uh, or whatever. Um, but the game itself, uh, you, you basically play through every year. Uh, uh, every year is divided into, well, we can call them rounds or, or something. Uh, each of those rounds, you play a card uh for for activation points basically like a bunch of other games and you can activate your commanders and uh, uh move stuff around and try to you know take over most of europe or in the latter part of the game once you've uh ended up angering enough large enough amounts of of europe you're uh, going to be sort of Retreating and trying to hold on to to France as, as Napoleon. Um, now, Nick, this, um, it, Nick, a quick question. Yeah. So when when we say this is card driven, is this like the traditional kind of like you can play the card for its event, or you can play it for like ops points? Or... Exactly. So it's activation points. You have a you have a a, a hand of cards between six or ten cards. Uh, six and ten cards, depending on the areas you control, uh, and basically uh, every round you you play a card. You you can either play the event. Uh, one of the one of the problems is that a lot of the events are are uninteresting. So mostly you play for the the activation points, and then you activate using those points and do stuff. Um, you then pay a price uh, for activating enders. Uh, the French ones are easy to activate. The the uh, opposing coalition uh, is is much more slow and uh, much rougher to play. And I think that in in general, that that's basically it comes down to. Um, if if you play as Napoleon, I think it's it's much more enjoyable. Uh, if you play as a coalition, it's pretty pretty painful at times. I mean, CDGs can be painful in the sense that you look at the card and you know, I, I don't know if I want to play the event here or do I want to play the activation points or. Uh, but in this case, it's actually uh, it's actually. Uh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty damn 
Okay, so so when, when when you're playing like through a campaign so, of this, um, how is it modeled to where kind of Napoleon's you know his rise and fall or like nations? I assume the coalition can activate allied nations at some points and bring them onto their side and grow or in strength or. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they can. There's a uh, in the there's an interface between years, basically, where you can uh, where there's a diplomacy phase, diplomacy phase, and you can um, you can then get uh, recruit more nations or recruit uh, other uh, uh, powers into the coalition. Um, there's also uh, a something I thought was actually rather rather neat, which is um, there's an escalation track. Uh, so at the beginning, you have cards that basically are all linked, and most of them are, are good, or all of them are good for, for Napoleon, basically. But once the escalation track gets to a certain point, you add a bunch of other cards, and they're called punishment cards. Okay, so, I see. So, so the deck, the deck changes as the game goes on. Exactly. So as Napoleon so, does shit, the, the deck changes. Oh, that's cool. Exactly. Yeah. So that that part that part is pretty cool. Uh, the The main point I think for me is that this is a game I could play with someone who, who a stickler for rules. You know, I mean, every people people are, have, have very different relationships to rules. Uh, sometimes, you know, if you can't, at least to me, if you spend like three, four minutes, five minutes for a rule, find it. Yeah, I generally tend to go, ah, whatever. Let's just try to go for. Whatever right. seems logical. Yeah, it's time. It's time yeah, to move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to spend half an hour looking for a rule. I want to play the game. Uh, so, if if I was if I played with someone who who was like that, I think this could be pretty funny. Uh, uh, it takes longer than I would have wanted. I think. It, after the first couple of turns, you run into like forty-five minute to an hour turn uh, length, and when you when the game is ten turns or ten years, uh, that actually takes a whole lot longer than than I would be willing to spend on a game now, like this. Now, uh, for the people I would can can play Napoleon with. end the game early? Can he win the game at some point, and the game's over? Uh, I think I think it ends if I recall correctly. If he gets more than twenty victory points, that could happen. Uh, but that rare, or maybe that's actually at the at the end. But normally, if you play the campaign game, uh, you you go to the end. I mean, the the game is is structured as such. I mean, if it if it's if you were to play this competitively, which is something I would never do, I think this might actually be good for that once you actually get the rules nailed down. Uh, but um, for my purpose... And, and are the rules uh, issues mostly from translation? 
Is it like a French to English I translation? Issue? I don't know. That I think a lot of people thought that uh, when the first edition came out, uh, and I, I actually looked at the French rules. Uh, now, uh, I, I'll have to admit that my French isn't good enough to actually read rules. Have you have properly. you showed the have you showed uh, the, have you showed I, the French rules to Brad? Because no, Brad, Brad, Brad could definitely <laughs> help me with with understanding the rules there uh, in French. <laughs> but um, no, I the, the the I think the problem for me is I I, I really wanted to like this game a lot uh since i i wanted to play you want to dislike it no i wanted to like it uh i and i wanted i wanted to to be able to take this to to other people and go well okay let's play this game but um the the downsides um the, the the major two downsides for me is it takes too long because i you know if it's for or five hours, then I could live it four or five hours, uh, or that that would be fine. But if you're running into eight, eight yeah, ten hours, I, I, that's that's far too long. Oh, geez. I, think, I was going to ask because some CDGs you can play in two hours, some are four, which is a little bit excessive. But then some are like eight to ten hours, mm-hmm. and that's that's for a game like that, that's just too much time. I think I think all these Napoleonic strategy games though take a long time because War and Peace, Napoleon, just because you have this big swing over a period of years, it's like, yeah, it's such a long period of time. I think yeah, Empire and Arms, they're all long. Yeah, Empire in Arms is, is even longer. I mean, that that's one of the games that I really would want to play at some point. But, but again, it comes down to, I mean, some games you look at and you, you think, okay, so I want to play this. I wanna, this is not a game I would want to play on my own. Tactical games, I'll, I'll, I'll solo. Um, this sort of grand strategic level kind of game. I'd, I'd much rather play that opposed because solo and, and solo CDG is just basically no. You you do it to to uh, to learn so, the game. So Nick, have you have you played the Napoleonic Wars, the GMT game? No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm waiting for someone to tell me. Okay, this is a great game, so you should really play this. But still. Oh, you mean the, and the Napoleonic Wars? I like it. I think it's good. It's a good game. Though I, I don't know if it's, it might be out of print. Is it in print? I don't think it is. I'm not sure. I got, you need more than two people for that game, though, right? I don't know. I think you can play it with two. Uh, one, mm-hmm. one person just plays a bunch of nations, but I'm not sure. I got a great set from the White Duck two years ago where uh, Jesse included it, but he included all the miniatures for it, like little plastic pieces for all the armies. And it's pretty cool. That's cool. That's cool. Okay, so um, so overall, Nick, uh, how many stars would you give the game? Uh, yeah, the, the the thing is, I think there's a good game in here. Um, if I played it with someone that that wasn't uh, sort of a semi person, uh, it it would probably be like a, a six. Um, and in terms of beers, I think you can. The rules aren't that that complicated. The problem is the ambiguities, and if you play it with someone 
one that definitely get pretty drunk, I would say. But I, I'll have to do this in actual beers, not not U.S. beers, because you know when you guys say you can drink twelve <laughs> beers, I'm like twelve beers. If I drink twelve beers, that's probably going to land me in the emergency uh, ward. But uh, so it's it's um, I'll, I'd probably drink six. Uh, yeah, because it's strength, interesting when I look uh, at European the pictures, it looks pretty simple. Like, the, there's not a lot of tons of pieces all over the place. So it's kind of interesting that it takes a long time to play them. You'd think, you know, the length would be, but maybe 10 turns yeah. is just, that's that's long period. Yeah, the, 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 I think the thing is there is that yeah. the turns are divided into six rounds, right? So you got four like good weather rounds, which is spring and summer, I would assume. And then one, which is inclement weather, uh, and one winter round, unless you declare a winter campaign. And if you declare a winter campaign, you get an extra winter round. Uh, and each of those is like card Okay, so, so each turn is active. So each turn exactly. is actually a bunch of mini turns, basically. Uh, and so each of those means okay organizing over where do i spend my activation points um and the general problems of the uh, of the area type maps that this is where and, and this this might just be me but certain kinds of uh, some of of the area uh type maps uh make it really hard for me to gauge sort of distance so if i look at them and go okay so how how many movement points will it take me to go from here to here instead of being able to sort of guess from just looking at it if you talk about hexes for example if you look at a at a hex grid you have a pretty good idea of uh how many movement points you need without having to sort of count the hexes. Right. Or, or like uh, Napoleonic Wars is point to point. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, then, then it becomes know, really They're clear. linked by lines, so you can just... Right. Uh, so there, there's... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, again, I haven't played it a post because I don't know who I'd play this with uh, among my, my general crowd of... of uh, of uh gamer friends um so uh but if if you if you have someone who's a sort of a loosey-goosey rules kind of person uh you like napoleonics you want to play this kind of game absolutely go for it but uh if you really want to if you really want nailed down perfect rules then, then right and i think you know, anytime you're gonna be playing a card driven game solo it's tough because you know what side has what cards and that's kind of the some of the mystery and fog of war of the, the game you don't know what your opponent has in his hand so yeah i mean that that plays into it too uh, of course but at the same time when you when you play it like that just to try to figure it out it's it's more of a how often do i end up with a card where i go huh i wonder what they mean um, no, that's, and, that's, that's that, a pain in the ass. When you see that, and you know that when you sit with someone else 
playing the game and you're going to have to have that discussion uh yeah that's that's not something that's that's fun yeah <laughs> I, uh, i'm out <laughs> <laughs> i i wasn't expecting this to be a, a game for you jason <laughs> i don't mean yeah. that no no it, a bad no it's just not not in my uh not in my alley yeah, so my takeaway from all this is that Nick's friends no, are terrible people. They just oh, want to play terrible. No, don't, don't get me started on no, that. No, I think shit. I think you've said no, I think you've said enough. I think you've said enough. <laughs> no, you know, I, I I like playing games and if they those kinds of games, I'll play them with them. Uh but um I'm not gonna play that game ever again. Uh, I can say that. Will they? Will you play a railroad I'd game? I'd play with a rail. Them? I'd much rather play a railroad game. I think uh, at least that's sort of at least the components there seem to be thought through. It's not just glossy <laughs> cubes that that's... glide around on the table and clip art. So yeah, railroad games seem to be. Like actually... a... The dirty little secret of war gamers. Like, there's a, quite a few war gamers mm -hmm. who secretly lust after railroad games. It's good stuff. I think the railroad games, or, or any kind of sort of economic, heavy uh, Euro economic game, has a lot of conflict in it. I mean, that's. I mean, the 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 game we. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember the name of uh, an indecent something or uh, an indifferent. I can't. Do you remember, Jason, the name of that? In, oh, that was infamous it. Yeah. traffic. Uh, in, it's it's pretty conflict oriented, you know, yeah. in the sense that you basically go, yeah, fuck yeah, you. yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna remove your stuff. You, you don't attack the person, but you fuck them up, you take yeah. their stuff away, and impede their their right traffic. the end result is basically this. yeah so who ended up winning that thing was that was that justin who won that thing uh let's let's just say it was the duck <laughs> he might he might be i mean, he might be happy if i i think i won but <laughs> I, I i accidentally oh okay yeah i didn't know i just yeah, saw it. I I screenshot. kind of made sure that he had no chance so but i actually think that's it i mean if you a lot of people that i play with at least they they shy away from conflict so they um they want to play games where they basically spend all the time building some engine or doing something that is completely separate from everything else uh which is yeah, not as entertaining as actually. Sounds interesting. Well, Jason, you got anything else you want to add? I'm pretty much done. No, I'm good. Nick, you got anything you want to talk about? Uh, no, I'm good. All right, boys. It's a good year. My wife's going to be thrilled that we're done yeah. at like two of twenty-five. <laughs> not, not. Yeah, trash, I, can, I can say it's eleven. Nice. It's eleven twenty-five here, and. Uh, I think everyone else is asleep. So, yeah, maybe I'll take the dog for a walk in the dark. Yeah, go roll around <laughs> in the snow. Go roll in the snow. Exactly. So, yeah, so we, I guess we next next maybe next month we'll do our game of the year. 
We are the worst. Oh, that's a good idea. We are the worst prepared. It didn't even occur to me. Yeah. This is our last episode of the year. <laughs> we, we don't. Uh, we don't need a year in review. Let me see. Yeah, what do we got? Let me look around the room. Oh my god! It was a year. Was, I don't know. Okay, we'll hit it next week. Next month. That's right. It was a year. Yeah, a we, lot of people died. We had the convention. Exactly. There we go. So. So that was a good time. All right, boys. Well, uh, have a great. 2017 and i get to go shop. i get to go shop for cars tomorrow so yeah uh, good, good luck, luck with that i got i have to when i get out of this room appear i have to appear too drunk to go shop for cars but not <laughs> so drunk that i get in trouble so it's a fine line i don't want to seem too sober because my wife will be like oh we can hop in the car and go drive down to the car dealership <laughs> now is not the time that's right all right, boys. Well, uh, all right, guys. And Jason, just let me know. Let us know if you need us to upload anything or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, we'll do. Okay. All right. Cool. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye, Bye guys. Visit us at http colon slash slash boardgamegeek.com slash guild slash one six six zero or contact us at advance after combat at gmail.com.